What's up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Straight Up Sabres, presented by the Hockey Podcast Network and the Charging Buffalo. As always, I'm Brendan. And I'm Taylor. And Taylor, this is going to be the first of potentially two trade deadline preview episodes. We wanted to record this one and put it out on Thursday because as we've been seeing over the past few years, trades get announced earlier and earlier each year before the deadline. And I feel like over the past few years too, it's been rare that there's many big blockbuster moves that actually happen on deadline day. So we thought it'd be great to do our trade deadline preview for the Sabres today because it seems like they're going to be pretty active at the deadline. There's a lot of guys right now who are on expiring contracts, a lot of pieces who may end up being moved. The core of this team, I'd say probably like 95% is pretty much solidified at this point. And so there's going to be a lot of moving parts here, again, with a number of UFAs and potentially RFAs who are going to be available or we will see if the Sabres will make them available or if we want, if they want them to to be a part of the fold looking ahead to next year and beyond. So Taylor, just to kind of start off, I mean, are you pretty much straight up sell mode as far as this deadline goes, or are you looking for them to maybe make an acquisition? I know we've been hearing rumors about them going out and trying to look for Owen Powers partner. You know, are you thinking that that's going to happen at this deadline? Or do you think that they're going to wait until the off season to do that? Just generally speaking, what is your approach? What would be your approach to this upcoming trade deadline? Well. I think as far as selling goes, that that's the, the obvious part is, is looking for what you can get out of Colin Miller specifically. And I guess we should say he is playing. He'll be playing against Edmonton Thursday night. So that's good. He's back in the lineup. Maybe that's a, a nice showcase one game just to make sure, you know, everything's in working order before the deadline. And then that's the main one. I think that's the one you could get the most for. And then there's a few other guys, obviously, and we've brought this up for a lot of the year. Robert Hag. Is someone interested in Robert Hag? I don't know the way things are going. Earlier in the year, we thought maybe people would be interested in Will Butcher. Probably not <laughs> anymore. <laughs> that did not work out too well. No. Now, I, I kind of wonder if, like, is there any interest in Cody Eakin? I, there's been rumblings about that as a possibility, as a guy people like to add. So he's a veteran. He's played in the playoffs before. People love that. People look at him and go... Uh, he scored in the past, so maybe he could score again. They say, hey, look at how much the team likes him that he plays for. Uh, they, So they – I guess there's a lot of things, even though I don't think he's at all valuable or you should give up anything to get him on your team. And plus, whatever, like leave him on the Sabres. He's having a great time. But if someone wants him for like a fourth-round pick, that's something they would do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then besides that, it's, it's, it's a little different. We've talked about Olofsson in the past. If there's not a deal there, you can just wait because he's got another year left on his deal. So Olofsson isn't someone that I think will necessarily get moved. Although we do, as we're speaking right now, there's still almost five full days. So there's time to make a move if if you can get a team that's desperate, especially on the last day when someone's like, you know, there's a contender that's going like, oh my God, we didn't upgrade at all. We need more offense. I don't know who that would be necessarily. And all these other teams upgraded, they get desperate and, boom, they want Victor Olofsson. And it's like, well, maybe we should just give up a second and a third for Victor Olofsson. And then I think you do that in a heartbeat. Oh, without, my any, without any question. Also, for what it's worth, too, Olofsson is an RFA this upcoming year. Oh, he's not RFA this year? But he, so, so is he saying, one? Like, after this year, he is an RFA. He had signed, I believe it was a two-year deal originally. So does he have one year away from UFA status after this? So like, he'll be a UFA in July 1st, 2023? I believe that is the case. Yes. Okay. So he's functionally under contract. Yes. No, he, they, they have his rights. So yeah, absolutely. Yes. Okay. So 
yeah, that's what that was. Yeah, it was Gergensen's and Tate who signed the three-year deals in summer 2020. Yeah, so Olafson, they're not going to not qualify him in the summer, regardless of what happens. So I guess we'll see if they he now that I that I know that he's an RFA this summer. I think maybe the move is to trade his rights in like June, or I don't know how the offseason is going to be this year. No, it won't be June. I think the Stanley Cup's in July again. So whatever that is, yeah. In the period between the end of the season and the start of free agency, maybe they they trade his rights then, or trade his rights after they qualify him, tender yeah. him, whatever. Uh, but yeah. So anyway, to get the other point you were making, yeah looking for Owen Power's partner? Yes, and I think that's another situation where you don't have to force it. Power will be up this year in all likelihood. He'll be up for a few games, and if you have to play him with someone else who I want to bring up, Mark Pezik, or if you have to play him with someone experienced like Darlene, or maybe you get someone back in a trade for Miller, you know, someone's like, we don't need this extra piece, you guys got to take it back, or whoever, Samuelson, whoever he ends up playing with, it's just a, a month or less of hockey, and it's just to get his feet wet. What you want to partner for is next year. Someone when he's starting his real NHL career, who can he play with? So you need that before next season. It'd be a luxury to have that right now. And if someone's available, someone's steady, someone reliable. In fact, you could just have someone who's an expiring deal for that and then you go find a different guy in the offseason. Who is there any names you would have in mind for someone that would be good? Like a, a Henrik Tolinder type guy well, to play with? It's tough because a lot of it, I think, is going to come down to who ends up being available. And for me, I'm at this stage of the game, looking ahead to the 2023 free agent class to see if there's any guys out there who maybe their teams are like, ah, you know what, after this year, I don't really think that we're going to be able to bring them back. Of course, we're looking for somebody who also is a right shot defenseman too. That is a, a big piece of this puzzle as well. As we know, power is going to be coming in and that left side is going to be stacked for years to come when you're looking at power, Darlene and Samuelson. I mean, pretty much you're set there. So to me, I feel like the deal probably makes more sense to happen in the summer, go, taking that approach to it. Now, there are some guys who are interesting to me. One who comes to mind, whose name has been thrown around a bit as on the table for this upcoming trade deadline, but just in general, he's a 2023 UFA is Damon Severson out of New Jersey. He's 28 years old right now. So he'll be 29 at the start of next season. Um, he definitely interests, interests me a lot. Um, I don't know how likely Minnesota is to keep this guy, but Matthew Dumba is another name that he's a 2023 free agent that if he's on the table and Minnesota doesn't feel like they're going to be able to bring him back because they have money tied up in their blue line right now between Spurgeon and uh, Jonas Brodeen. Um, you know, you have Kalen Addison, who's going to be coming up through the ranks for them as well. And they're so, probably going to have to pay Kaprizov soon, right? Or did they pay Kaprizov this offseason? They did, well, yeah. They, they did, yeah. So he makes a lot of money. Right, right. So, I mean, that's that's a guy right there off the bat. Um, again, I don't know. Like, then you kind of get into maybe probably some of the more unrealistic people, like Mackenzie Weger, for example. I have a hard time thinking that Florida wouldn't lock him up. But, again, their cap space is going to be – it's going to be getting tight for them. They have a lot of really good guys under contract right now. And it makes you wonder, is he somebody who's going to be on the table? I would probably lean towards no, that he won't be available, but again, who knows? Maybe that is something that Florida thinks. Um, another guy who's a right shot defenseman who comes to mind right now for a team that seemingly is going to be cap strapped is Eric Cernak from Tampa Bay, who 
Oh, that's a great one. If you want, if you want power to be matched up with a guy who is just really defensively responsible in his own zone, can take some of like the tougher assignments with him too, and just like be physical in your own end and kind of gives power a little bit of freedom to make some mistakes there. I think Cernak is a guy who is probably close to the top of the list for me of, of potential options. Again, if these guys are all on the table, um, and, and let's be clear here too. I'm really just, you know, the names I'm throwing out here are guys who are 2023 UFAs. So I think that there are options there, but again, like the top of my list, pie in the sky, perfect scenario for fitting this criteria of maybe it's a cap strap team. Who's going to be looking to make a move would be Cernak, Uyghur, Severson, and then Dumba. Those are really at the top of the list for me. I think any of them would be really, really great. I would probably say, Uyghur is far and away at the top of that list, but he's also probably the most unrealistic. But again, that's, that's just kind of where I'm at with it. But at the same time though, too, if a deal ends up coming along where you have the opportunity to go out and get a guy and you got to give up assets, but it makes sense right now. And knowing that Owen power is going to be here by mid April, then I say, go for it. I, I mean, why not? If you can do it, just do it now, have him here right away so that power will have a little bit of a stretch here to, to get his feet wet, get a little bit of chemistry, get an idea of for one, just what it's like to be in an NHL locker room and getting the the day-to-day habits down. And then again, you have that guy here where already you're going to have a pre-existing relationship down the stretch here. And then you have an off season where they're able to work together. They're able to build a relationship together, build their chemistry together um, and just have somebody again, who's like that mentor for power. Um, but yeah, and everything else you said, I, I completely agree with too. You know, I, I think going back to Olafson, it really just depends on what kind of deal is on the table, because I think that I could see the benefits of it either way. Like if you get a team that starts to get a little antsy and they need to add some firepower up front and they are willing to give up like a second or something like that for Olafson, I think you make that move 100%. Or if it's like a, or if it's like a B prospect or something like that, where it's Olafson and a piece or something like that, and you're able to get a good young player in return. Um, I, I think that that's a no brainer. I just, I'll be honest, I was even thinking about this, you know, yesterday as, as I was thinking about today's show, of just what the forward corpse is going to look like next year. And I got to be honest too, Taylor, like, I really think, and I don't want, this team has burned us so many times, so, so many times. I really feel like though, this team is like one good top six piece away from having their forward corps set for the foreseeable future. So the team has been looking better lately and I don't want to make it seem like I'm just like getting into the hype of like the past couple of games where they've looked good against Vegas and Toronto, but looking at next season though, I mean, you're going to have Skinner Tage and Tuck is going to remain intact. You'll have in my idea in like my ideal scenario, you know, you either have Krebs in the middle as your like Krebs or, or Cousins will be your second line center. Krebs obviously has that flexibility to play the wing, but for the sake of the argument, we'll say that their second line looks like Krebs, Guy TBD, Jack Quinn. Your third line then is Middlestat, Cousins, Paterka. Your fourth line is going to be Gergensen's probably, if he's still here, Asplund and Opozo. I mean, where does Olofsson have room on this? If you're going to need to get like a little bit of a facelift and you want to upgrade at forward, I think that he is the logical choice here, probably middle stat two for that matter. I don't know if Casey will end up being here next year, or if they look to make a Nylander type move with him where they try and swap him for another younger struggling player, but assuming they want to keep him and they keep him on the left wing, you have him as your left wing, third line, uh, third line left winger where, 
where does Olsen fit into this mix? I, I, I don't see anywhere where he does. And that's what I, I guess the point I'm getting back to, I'm not saying that they should go out and overspend on somebody in free agency and try and rush the process, because I still think that the 2023, 2024 season is the year where like rev the engines, let's do this thing. But that forward corpse is, is like there almost. Why, why this is beside the point. Why are you saying it like that? Like it's a dead body. Like that would be like the, the 2014, 15 saber, like corpse. Why do you keep saying corpse? Are you saying like C-O-R-P-S? Yes. That's core. Forward corpse is also like C-O-R-P-S. That is a commonly used phrase. It's core. But people also say corpse. Like They shouldn't. That's not how it's pronounced. C-O-R-P-S? Look at the core of discovery. Yeah. C-O-R-P-S. Not C-O-R-P-S-E, like a dead body. I'm saying like corpse. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, without the E, it's pronounced core. I'm not even, I'm not even joking. Have you, I, I've never heard you say it like that before. Maybe I just haven't been paying attention. I mean, I don't know. I feel like that's a common thing for people to refer to it as corpse. Like the that's not like, how that word is pronounced. But I'm not saying it like their core, as in like the core of their team, though. I'm just saying the the that's what. But that's how you spell core. But the assortment of forwards. Yeah, that's that's what it that's what it is. That's core. So you know the core of discovery, like Lewis and Clark. Does the C O R P S of discovery? Thank you for the for the literature <laughs> lesson. I just was like, so why does he keep saying it? Like, like, okay, I get it. Like, it'd be a good joke if you were like. The 2014-15 forward corpse, that'd be a good joke. But I don't know. I, I don't know what you're getting at. Anyway, I'll get back to the point. Um, so anyway, yeah, I, I agree. That's one of the reasons, like, I think this is a better time to move Olsen in some ways, unless nothing pops up. Like, you can get someone desperate now. When it gets to the summer, I don't know how desperate someone's going to be to get Olsen. And then you just get a fair trade, which is whatever. A fair trade's a fair trade. I, I trust Kevin Adams at least to make a fair deal but like i don't understand where he would be in the lineup like to your point like they do have guys that, like i'm interested in seeing another year of asplund it the second half hasn't been as good as the first half but like i like like you know i i like where he's what he's done overall at least as a, a fourth line type piece and frankly after a while like you're you don't you're not looking to keep olsen long term obviously there's a lot of guys we theoretically could have around like we, there still is like, what, three or four guys, non-first, not even non-first round picks. Rosine's a good example, like guys we could set it for. And we haven't even talked about the fact that like they could have a top five pick this year, which could theoretically be a forward. So like, yeah, it's, it is kind of getting a little full. And Olofsson, I think is the classic kind of guy you don't want around, which is someone who is not great at five on five. Doesn't really, he's a, a passenger in the top six. If he's not playing with a really good player that can set him up like Eichel or Reinhardt, he can be kind of useless for stretches and he's not nearly physical or defensive enough to play in the bottom six. It just gets to a point where it's like, what do you really do? And the answer is you can score in the power play. Well, a lot of people can score in the power play, maybe not as efficiently as you, but like, you know, they can do other things to make themselves more useful. So I guess my own, the only up, real upside to trading him here at the deadline is someone, maybe someone pays more because they're getting extra time with them. Or maybe someone pays more, because they think they could sign him to a multi-year deal in the offseason, or maybe they're just, like I said before, they just really want to sign someone. Um, but so is, do you have anything else on Olafson? Not particularly. I also just want to say that I just even looked it up and people very, very frequently use the phrase forward corpse, wide receiver corpse. Like, no, 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 no. This is not what I'm saying. Are you saying they, that, that, that is, I'm saying C-O-R-P-S. They do. 
It's pronounced core. That's C-O-R-P-S does not pronounce corpse. It's pronounced core. Well, so when the, so you're right. That's how they say it. That's that's the right word in the English language. You say like wide receiver core. You're saying wide receiver C-O-R-P-S. Uh, forward cores, right? Uh, uh, C- forward C-O-R-P-S. That's what I'm saying. My fucking bad, Taylor. My well, bad. I thought you were making a joke. No. I didn't know. I thought it was I don't have fun. any other thoughts on fucking Victor Olofsson. No, I don't. <laughs> now that I'm a fucking idiot who doesn't know how to talk. Anyways, though, <laughs> let's get back into it here. Let's get all right. So, hold on. Let's get let's uh let's hear from our friends at DraftKings. Let's uh, fucking do it. All right. So hockey folks, the NHL season's been packed with 30 dangles, hat tricks, and big wins. As the action rolls on, DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, has your shot to win big two. New customers can bet just $1 in any team and get $150 in free bets if they win. That's right. A bump in the win column for your team means free bets for you. Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet. You still have a shot to light the lamp. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN. Bet just $1 at any NHL team and get $150 in free bets if they win. That's promo code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Must be 21 or older. Restrictions apply. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER at 1-800-426-2537 in Illinois, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, West Virginia, and Wyoming. 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona, 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado and New Hampshire, 888-789-7777, or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana, 877-8-HOPE-NY, or text HOPE-NY-467-369 in New York, or visit OPGR in Oregon. Call or text the Tennessee Red Line at 1-800-889-9789 or in Virginia, call 1-888-532-3500. Must be physically present in any of the uh, states to win. Uh, minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility, eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Well, I can't say eligibility on the first try ever, so I guess we're in the same boat here. Don't patronize me. <laughs> um, so... I want to talk about someone else now who I don't want to get traded, even though he's a UFA and I think someone would pay for him. And that's Mark Pesek. Mm-hmm. Your thoughts on this? Yeah, I think it's absolutely worth keeping around for him. I mean, we know right now that the Sabres right side of their blue line is thin as it is. Um, I think that it's a no brainer that you keep Pesek around. I almost wonder too, and this could be, it's purely speculating on my part, but we're only days away from the trade deadline now and Pesic has been scratched a couple of times. I mean, if you're trying to sell a guy, are you really going to be scratching him this close to the deadline? I know guys are coming back from injury, but it doesn't exactly help with whatever value that you're trying to establish for a guy. So part of me even wonders if that's something that they're thinking about right now. I, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm totally in favor of it though. I think that in general, Having him, he's just a steady presence on the right side of the blue line, especially, again, when next year your your left side is going to be Power, Darlene, and Samuelson. You're going to want to have 
you know, a, a nice steady veteran presence there. And I think that in the case of Pesek, he gives you flexibility where you can move him up and down between the top or between the three pairs. However, I think he obviously most logically slots in as your third pairing defenseman next to Samuelson. If that's in the cards um, again, you can use him on the second pair as well. I don't know if I would really want to be giving him heavy first pair minutes, because I think that that's the move that you need to go out and get somebody to, to kind of fill that role. But with that being said though, yeah, I'm, I'm hundred percent in favor of it. I think that even though, like I said, he's maybe, I don't know if I want to call it like in, you know, Granado's doghouse, or if he's fallen out of favor or anything like that, because I just think that it's circumstantial and they're just trying to get a look at the young guys right now, but I, I'm totally in favor of, of hanging on to Pesic. I, I think for what he can give you now and looking ahead to next year, I, I don't, need a fifth round pick or whatever just to or a fourth or a fifth round pick for him um just to get something like if he wants to stick around i think it's great and i also on top of that i mean he's wearing a letter i think he's good for the room i think you have all of these young guys and you can you can see it that they they soak up what opozo and anderson and and pesic and and the veterans are doing like a sponge you know like and i just think he's a kind of guy that you want to have around in the room good vibes guy who also can contribute on the ice as well. Unlike Cody Eakin, who I believe last time you had established him as a good vibes guy, but is just absolutely atrocious on the ice. Pesic, good vibes guy, good vibes on the ice. I say, keep him. Yeah. So I agree. And I want to say with Pesic, he's someone that you really never would have on a top four on a good team, probably just because, or if he is, he's a passenger for sure with whoever his uh, line mate is just because he is not really that offensively skilled at all even though the weird fact that he played forward for a little while in the NHL and had a hat trick. Still don't understand that, but yeah, you, you can look at his point totals, you know, point totals aren't totally, uh, they don't totally translate to your offense, but like <laughs> if you're a guy that's been around for like seven, eight years now, and you have like a hundred career points, there's, there's a reason for that, but he's a really good guy to have around. Like, for example, I think he's a guy that could play at that lane right now. You're not going to have the best pairing in the league, but he's someone that's steady. And in fact, I trust him with Dallin more than most guys Dallin's played with this year, or you could put him with, here's an idea. Let's say you strike out on anyone you want to play with power this year, which defenseman would you want to play with power for the last month of the season when he's up? Pezek, he shouldn't be getting scratched in these situations. Like he should be playing with like reliable guys. Like we've seen Dowling and Yoki Haru play together. I mean, if you have to scratch Yoki Haru, I don't know. I don't, I don't really see the point in scratching Pesek. Even he's got to go. I think Yoki Haru's time is up after this year. I think they got to move him. I I just don't think again, he's just another guy. Like you said, it just doesn't make any, I I just don't see where he fits into the plans moving forward. If anything, he'd get a one-year deal just because like next year, you for sure have power person who's playing with power Dowling, frankly, person, whoever's playing with Dowling, uh, and then Samuelson. Well, Yoki Haru is still here. He's He's got two more years after this year. No, but I mean, like, if you move him in the – oh, okay, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Oh, is he two years after this year? I thought he had one year after this year. Nope, he's got 2.5. He is under contract, and his RFA rights actually are up the same year that Darlene's are. Damn, okay, well – 24.5 is when he's in RFA. <laughs> so, in this case, Yoki Haru then – I mean, that gives you flexibility for when you want to get rid of him. I mean, I dude, just think like at some you, point, he, he's even, I was just going to say, he's even a guy that at the deadline, if there's an opportunity for it, I mean, we know right shot defensemen are at a premium hell. Colin Miller is going to have like, we're all like, Oh, thank God that he's back now. So that he, we, you know, it's like, he's, it's established that he's back from injury. Right-handed D's don't grow on trees and, and GMs look for that at the deadline. We all know this. Um, 
So, I mean, hell, if there's even a move that's available for Yoki Haru to get moved and you get some value back or it's part of a package or something, I say do it. Just I, I just don't see where he fits in. Yeah, no, I, I, I see that. Like, Find someone to overvalue his youth and yeah. low cap hit. $2.5 million for two more years after this year. Extremely manageable. You could sell him on youth. I mean, what is he, 24 years old right now? 22 years old. Jesus. My God, he was born in 1999. That's disgusting to think that people are born that close to 2000 and after 2000 who are currently in the NHL. Just weird. Anyways. Dylan Cousins, 2001. I know. It's gross. I don't I don't like any of it. But anyways, beside the point. Hey, if we draft Shane Wright this year, do you know what year he was born in? Oh, God. 2003? I'm going to look it up. Do you? But while I look it up, do you think it is before or after Aaron Boone's home run against the Red Sox in the 2003 ALCS? I'm going to go before. Is after That's January 5th, 2004. 2000. I hate it. I hate it so much. Very close to my birthday. Nice. So, um, yeah, I, I, Yoki, how are you? I don't, I, but I also don't feel the need to really, he has to get off the team immediately. But in the offseason, like I said, it's going to be kind of crowded back there because they have Bryson Samuelson. At some point, they might have Ryan Johnson. Who knows who else? Like maybe they want to get Fitzgerald even more. Look, I don't know. I don't know what they want to do back there. But like, if it, hey, if the offer's there, take it. I agree. I I totally totally agree. I mean, in reality, there's guys who are on the roster right now who are off the table like completely. I mean, Yoki Hardy was absolutely not one of them. And I think that if you get an offer for any guy that you look at and are like, okay, they're going to be, we want them on the team three years from now, gone, even two years from now, gone. Uh, You know, there's no sense in keeping them around. And if you get somebody again, who overvalues him and you end up getting a nice return on it, obviously, you know, relative to, to his talents, pull the trigger. Yep. Makes sense. Well, I don't know if there's anyone else actually on the block for the Sabres. Well, we could talk a little bit about Colin Miller. I mean, do you think it's realistic that they could get a second round pick for him? Absolutely. Yeah. Why not? I mean, teams do stupid stuff all the time at the trade deadline. That's not even that stupid, but who, I wonder who would want him. Like he's a third pairing defenseman. So theoretically almost any team could use him. Right. It's just really about money at that point. The Sabres can retain the Sabres can retain 90% of it. If they wanted whatever the maximum percentage that they can retain, they can retain it. Right. And TSN, for what it's worth, too, has Colin Miller listed as the third right-handed defenseman, number 11 overall, but he's the third right-handed defenseman available at the deadline behind Ben Chariot and Justin Braun out of Philadelphia. Uh, what? I, behind, I mean, I would put him, behind Ben Chariot? Yeah, I mean, I would. I guess I could see with him. I would definitely put him ahead of Justin Braun, though. Justin Braun is 35 years old. Colin Miller's 29. Um yeah, I, I don't. What I'm get getting that. here is he's the number one available. Well, that too. I mean, obviously, but I, his name has been thrown out a lot. I, I'm just more surprised that he's behind Braun, I guess. But yeah, looking at TSN's trade bait board, number one, you have Claude Giroux. Then you have Hampus Lindholm. Then Jacob Chakrin. I would definitely swap Chakrin and Lindholm on that. I don't know what that. Probably just because Lindholm is more obviously available. But we don't even know that now. Now that they had just traded Josh Manson over to Colorado, um, right. Four, you have Chariot. Five, you have Ricard Raquel. Six is Giordano. Seven, Jake DeBrusque. Eight is Jacob Middleton. Nine is Braun. 
10 uh, is Yarn Croak from Seattle. Then you have Colin Miller. Then you have Marc-Andre Fleury, Nick Paul, Brandon Hagel, Max Domi at 15. I don't know how they can have Andrew Kopp at 16 on this. Kopp I would put ahead of almost a lot of these guys. That's Which, uh, so is it Cal Yarn Croak? Yeah. I think it's funny that they drafted both Yarn Crocs. I know, right. Um, yeah, that's, and then that's you have John Klingberg is 17, you know, in terms of like, wow, these, these are uh, weird rankings. John Klingberg, I agree. I mean, Brock Kessler's down there. I don't know, maybe it has to deal with, yeah, I don't know. That's the rank what they have. Um, down the list though, further, Robert Hag is at number 30. Let's see, do they even have Cody Econ on here? <laughs> Mark Pesek is at 44. See, I don't get why, why is Robert Hag so much so far ahead of Mark Pesek? Let's see. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> Number 43, they have Buffalo cap space. Huh? Yeah, this is definitely not based on I, I don't know what this is based on, actually, I should say, because they have Severson is at 41 here. Georgiev is at 40. Uh Roslovic is at 39. Zasha 38. I mean, these are all guys. They have Nicholas Delorier ahead of all of those guys, just to put it into context. So I don't this really must know. be an availability thing. Gotta be. Gotta be something like that. Anyways, though. Which is interesting that have Giroux won in that case. Yeah, well, and I, I think that that, you know, also speaks to a larger point that you've brought up a few times that I'd like to hear more of your thoughts on, which is weaponizing Buffalo's cap space. Do you want to talk a little bit about that and what you'd like to see the Sabres do at this deadline? Yeah, so one obvious thing is that teams that are good are trading with each other because, you know, there's more than half the – well, half the league makes the playoffs, more than half the league – by that logic is in the playoff race at this time. So there's moves to be made between these still pretty good teams, or at least teams that are a, a team that's good is taking on a contract. They don't have anyone to give back necessarily. So there's a few things. One is you take cap dumps. Someone gives you a player that has like a year left that too much money and you take it and you get a pick with it. You get like a second pick, second rounder, even a first rounder if it's bad enough but not too long on the the term, obviously. The other thing is like laundering cap space, which you saw last year. I don't know if it was the Felino trade that you saw this, but it was basically like, say you have team A wants to trade a player to team B. Team B can't take on the full salary, but team A can't retain enough of the salary. So you come in here with team C in the middle. You trade that player from team A to team C, the Sabres in this case, the Sabres retain some of the salary and then immediately flip them. So the Sabres get picks out of it. Basically you get better pick value in flipping a guy like that. And all you have to do is launder your cap space, Ooh. which the Sabres have a bunch of, I have all it costs is money. News. I have some breaking news to share as we're recording right now. One of the guys, top names who was going to be, who was involved in some, some potential trade talks, especially more so this coming off season because he was a UFA Thomas hurdle. Extension in San Jose, eight by eight. Wow. Yeah. Huge. That is, yeah, that's, that's enormous. I Thanks for uh, them to keep him around. I mean, but they are just giving out huge contracts left and right. Yeah. They got out of the cane deal luckily for them. So that helps. Yep. But yeah, they have to pay. God, I don't know with them long-term, they're just going to pay him and Carlson and Burns and I still have a lot. I kind of want to look at their cap friendly now. Cause that's, that's going to be an interesting one. That is a huge move for the trade deadline. Now that's, that's obviously the best player that was available. 
Mm-hmm. Oh my God. More breaking news on the bill side of things. I think Jordan Phillips is coming back. Oh, wow. Jordan Phillips. Yeah. He was pretty good. I mean, they could yeah. use some D D line depth replenishing. Oh yeah. For sure. He, he was solid for sure. All right. Anyways, though, back to your, so point. like, yeah. Coach, so next season they'll have Couture and team Couture for 8 million. Oh, that's too much for Couture. They're paying Couture 8 million through 2028. I don't love that. Timo Meyer for 6 million through next year. So the forward, the forward area, like they don't, they don't really have that many forwards under contract. So they'll have 8 million now for hurdle going forward, 6 million for Meyer just next year. And then he's an RFA. So he'll either get paid or leave. And then 8 million forever for Logan Kocher. But Carlson is getting paid 11 and a half million through. I don't know how long. <laughs> um, uh, Brent Burns is getting paid 8 million through 2025 and Vlasic is getting paid 7 million through 2026. It's just crazy. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like hurdles, obviously great, like legit high end top six center in this league, but eight years for another guy who is, I think 28 or 29, I think 28 right now. I mean, our GMs just like not, I, I get it. You got to keep your guy, but our GMs just not learning that giving these eight year contracts to guys who are at their, the end of their twenties and into their early thirties. Like, I mean, what are you doing? Like, how is that going to look like at, Jesus Christ, five years from now? I mean, you're still going to have that on the books for three more years. It's just a lot, like eight years for a guy who's 28 at 8 million. Again, when you just went through all that money, they have locked up in guys right now. What the hell are they going to be able to do? You're going to have to pay William Eklund in three years. Yeah. Well, I, I'm kind of surprised because this, this GM is new. Mm-hmm. So you figure he's not like on the hot seat. He could just be like, let's do a real rebuild. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm looking at their roster right now. I have no idea what they're going to do because they have 34 million. Let's see. Well, and million, I think it's $42 important. million dollars for five guys. And those five guys is Carlson who had a nice bounce back year. Burns washed Vlasic more than washed Couture, not washed, but like not an $8 million guy and hurdle. Wow. And they'll, they'll have to, either they're going to not pay Timo Meyer. It's a good question. I, I don't know. I mean, what, what are they going to do? And I, and you and I both, I know are, are firm believers in life is too short to worry about the salary cap in five years, but like, when you're just handing out these like long-term contracts to guys who are older at the time of you giving them out. Yeah. You kind of got to start to worry about it then. Like it, well, it's I mean, one thing when you're doing it with yeah. like a Jeff Skinner situation where you give this guy a ton of money, clearly it hasn't worked out in the sense of him living up to being a $9 million player every year, year in and year out. But again, you come to find out that that's manageable. Opozo, same kind of deal. You know, he's, he's on the books right now for North of $6 million dollars. At the time or the first couple of years in, the injuries start piling up and you're like, oh my God, what are we going to do? This guy is so much, we have so much money tied up in this guy. It ends up working out. It's fine. Like, it's okay now that those guys are both getting paid what they're paid. Skinner will be a little different when we have that conversation a few years from now. But, yeah, for the but why is it okay though for the Sabres? Well, because they're, they tore it down. They, they yeah. really had to. Um, but the, I guess that's the point though, is like, there's a way of figuring it out. But when it comes to San Jose's case, where they seemingly just keep trying to like hold on, I don't know if that's the move. Cause even in the Sabre sense too, when they did that, that was really at the start of their rebuild or at the start of them thinking that they were going to take this next step with a Pozo and in Skinner's case as well. 
you gave out both of those contracts with the mentality of being like, okay, this is the start of us doing this now. San Jose is hanging on to the tail end of, don't get me wrong, an incredible, incredible run the past 15 years. Like they have been consistent. They have been good. Obviously the past couple of years, that hasn't been the case, but like post 0405 lockout up until really the past few years, like San Jose was a model of consistency in this league. They were constantly in play yeah. a, a serious Stanley cup contender. Even and before the lockout, they were doing, they were, even, in, the, yeah, they were right. in the conference finals in 03 or 04. Right. Well, exactly. So that that's kind of my whole point is like, at some point you, you got to know when it's over or when you got to change directions and you just got <laughs> lucky by getting William Eklund falling to you last year. It feels like if there was ever a time for them to look in the mirror and say, Hey, maybe we do need to burn this down. It, it would be now. I mean, you don't have a long-term answer in that. As you said, you have this money tied up in these older guys, their prospect system is really not that deep right now. What are you, what are you hoping for here? Like this money's not going away. How are you going to have any kind of flexibility to make any other moves? If you're going to just keep trying to hold on to this core. This time it was, it, it, it's three years. This is going to be their third year missing the playoffs. This isn't like, like they're just yeah. hanging on being a, a playoff team that can't quite crack it anymore. Right. They were one of the worst teams in the league two years in a row. And this year they're going to miss the playoffs in the worst division. Yep. Like no question. They're, they're a sub point per game team over the past three years. And not only are you not changing anything really, I mean, you'll change quite a bit actually, but the, the core is going to remain the same because it's going to be, it's going to be those two highly paid forwards, Couture and Hurdle, who are there now. And these three highly paid defensemen, two of whom are not nearly worth the money. And one of whom isn't quite worth the money that he's making. It's like, this is already the team you have. So you're just locking it in even further for some reason. I think that the move here would have, especially with a new GM, is you just trade Hurdle. You should have traded Hurdle over the summer. You shouldn't want to hold on to Hurdle. Yeah, yeah because look, you need to rebuild. You you had the, what, fifth overall pick last year, Eklund was? Dude, he fell to like seven, I think. Seven. Okay, so you're the seventh overall pick. The year prior, you didn't have your pick, but you would have been in the top five. And this year, you're going to be yep. in the 10 range. Like that's not a bad way to start things, except that you didn't have your pick in 2020. But right. like from now on, like you have to look at these next two drafts, which are huge drafts, as huge opportunities. You're not going to be good. Like mm-hmm. you have to do this. New GM would have to do so much around the like the edges to make the team good. For starters, they have no idea what they're doing, and that's still like it's they 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 have two goalies signed through next year. That's Reimer and Odden Hill. I don't, I mean, Reimer's 35 years old and Odden Hill, we'll see. I think, I don't think he's anything special. He's not to turn this around. They will need to either re-sign or get their other three defensemen because they're three big guys of all the contracts. So three cheap defensemen right now, they're paying three defensemen, 750 K each. Can you name any of their, their other three defensemen that are on the main roster? I don't think Brian Merkley's up yet. So probably not him, right? He's not one of them. Nope. But they do all have M names. Uh, oh, Mar- is it Ferraro? Is Mar- right? Ferraro, is he one of them? So not not right now on Cat Friendly. It's M hurt? last names, I mean. Oh, M last names? I, give it to me. Who we got? Jacob Megna, Nick Malak, and Jacob Middleton. Wow. Jacob spelled two different ways. And then, like, they're... F- Middleton the is on the big board, actually. He is on the... T- he's number eight on the big board. Well, I'm not surprised. All three of these guys are free agents. And then you have with the forwards you have bonino and rudolph balsers rudolph's balsers thank god they're both coming back next year 
but Andrew Cagliano and Alexander Barbanov are free agents. Well, John Leonard is a free RFA, and then they have three uh, three others, most notably Jonathan Dolan are, are RFAs. Like these are they have a lot of turnover probably coming and like we to actually even, fill in with like good players. It is really hard. Well, we haven't even gotten into probably what could be arguably their worst move of the past five years, which is letting Joe Pavelski walk. Oh my God. How brutal is that? <laughs> Hanging on to some of these guys, but then you end up letting Pavelski go. Ooh, Mark Edward Vlasic. They, they kept, they kept that guy while Pavelski was, I'm going to look at Pavelski's numbers real quick. Cause mm. he's been, uh, kind of stunningly good for his age. I guess you wouldn't have expected it. Good. And the way that he's been able to transfer, I mean, again, it's not a shocker that Pavelski's that kind of guy who's able to do this, but the way that he's been able to transfer his game over to playing in the role that he is now with like the young forwards in Dallas, it's, it's remarkable. He's 60 points in 58 games this year. Stupid. Just, just unbelievable. He's honestly working his way towards what could be hall of fame numbers. Weirdly. Mm-hmm. Um, because he's he's a late bloomer for sure for most for for Ford that gets 500 goals or in a thousand points right now he's at 417 goals tough time getting to a thousand but we'll see he's 903 points he will probably get a thousand points so that he'll be at least be in the discussion in the future for the hall of fame he's he didn't play 17 to, goals you said yeah oh yeah it's tough you're gonna need to have a couple of 30 goal seasons as like a 40 year old right how old is he 38 right now 37 this is his age 37 yeah. season so he played three more yeah he's not going to do it but he'll be in the high 400s he can get mid, to a thousand points though no no doubt oh yeah for sure so just looking at this it's really weird he didn't play till he was 22 rare for someone that's pedigree he has he didn't have a 20 goal season till he was 24 and then didn't have a 30 goal season till he was 27 wow. his first 40 goal season was when he was 29 and then he in what i would call it the second dead puck era the mid middle of last decade he had 37 and 38 goals 14 15 and 15 16 Jeez. and then 38 goal 38 goals as a 34 year old kind of looked done his first year in dallas and then now like last year 51 and 56 games this one this year 60 points and 58 games and he's had 48 goals over the last two years my man so, it's like a fine wine and they are they are paying a lot more money uh for logan couture as well who's younger I mean, that's probably your compare your direct comparable too which i guess you know at the time like coacher has age on his side too but yeah clearly they made a huge 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 mistake letting pavelski walk yeah absolutely i mean and they th- that era kind of like they hung on forever like they, they had thornton and marlow getting older while they had this team that was kind of young by the time they even got to the cup in 2016 like thornton was still great but like they had, you know, Couture was their leading scorer. And then they were like, all right, let's, we got to add on Carlson, Evander Kane. And, uh, you know, just, they paid Brent Burns. And it was just like, it was like a, you know, 2019 would have been the year for them to win it. I don't think they had Marlowe at that point, but like 2019 was their last hurrah and they lost the blues. So that was that. And then mm-hmm. they, they more or less <laughs> collapsed the next year. And it's like, yeah, you have a bunch of old guys and a bunch of nobodies. Is it fair to blame? When are you ever going to be good now? Is it fair to put the blame on Martin Jones for pretty much the franchise being in the state that it's in right now? (laughs) No, it's, but it's fair, fair to put the blame on Martin Jones for them to not have done a little bit better in 2019. And then even frankly, in 2020, Mm -hmm. like they could have won the cup with a better goalie in 2019. Agreed. 
you'd still be in a bad spot, but then you'd have a cup and it's like, who cares at that point? At the, yeah, Look exactly. at Chicago. That Chicago is... hasn't won a real playoff series in seven years. I'm not winning one this year. That's how I feel about the bills, honestly, like in terms of like local comparisons, like as we're in free agency now and like people are like, Oh, like looking ahead, we got to be careful. Like, or oh, Josh is going to be good for however long, like we have nothing to worry about. It's like, no, like shots like this don't come around often. Like to win like a championship do not come around often. And for a team that is not like a regular in the finals or anything like that, I'm telling you right now, the bills win a super bowl. Obviously after that, I would be hungry for them to want to win more. I would not be comp- like, it would be all worth it. Like all of the spending, whatever you have to do to make it work with like the cap, all of that stuff is worth it. And if it's, there's some suffering after the fact, it's fine because you, you did what you set out to do. And in San Jose's case, they just never were able to get over the hump. Yeah. It's unfortunate. They had a couple good looks at it too. This is my, this is actually a segue into do something, Brandon Bean. <laughs> yeah. Well, I want, I'm interested to see how this plays out. In fact, it the concurrent MLB and NFL free agency are kind of driving me crazy, and I'm I'm feeling do something on both sides. But I think I'm not going to freak out. Yanks are going to be not week. great. Yanks are the Yankees are going to suck. Yeah. They're only going to make the playoffs because of the expanded playoffs. They're going to be like 79 and 83 and make the playoffs. This lineup is gross. This lineup sucks. Mm-hmm. And you got the Blue Jays getting better. I mean, obviously the Rays. Like, goo. They, they might be the fourth worst team in the AL East. Probably th- or the fourth best. I mean, they're, they're probably like the third best team in the AL East, but like maybe not. I think they were fourth last year because the Blue Jays finished fourth and the Blue Jays, they're better than the Yankees. They finished a game back of us. Mm-hmm. And, and frankly, the Blue Jays are better than the Red Sox too. And I think the Blue Jays might've gone to the world series if they didn't have to play their first two months, like never being at home first three months. Never, you know, I, when do they go home? July something like that yeah maybe it was three and a half months like they they didn't really get to really play real home games forever they had to go from playing in a double a AA stadium in Dunedin to coming to Buffalo and like they were awesome after they got to go back to Toronto so I think they're probably the best team they at least and the Red Sox got kind of lucky last year but so did the Yankees mm-hmm. yeah we'll see I don't know I was I I got a notification that was like oh my god the Yankees move and I was like Finally, they they announced they signed Correa or Story or something like that. And it's like, no, they traded Gary Sanchez and Gio Urshela for 38-year-old Josh Donaldson or whatever he is. And is he 30? He's not 38. I, no, no, he's like 36, though. And um, Isaiah Finello, I'm not going to – I don't know. Yeah. Isaiah something, something. And it's like, he might be the opening day shortstop. And it's like, oh, cool. Because they're yeah. like, oh, if they sign Correa or Seager – before he was signed or a story or any one of the good Correa still hasn't stops. signed, right? Correa still hasn't signed. And I don't think story has either. Um, but they were like, Oh, if they sign one of those guys, what are they going to do with, you know, they're two really good prospects, Anthony Volpe and uh, they have a second good shortstop prospect, not Jason Dominguez either. I think they moved him, but anyway, what are they going to do with those guys? It's like, I don't know. Trade them. Who do you prospects? Who, who, who are you talking to? What, what franchise are we? Are we the Rays now? prospects you kidding me you know the thing with prospects they sometimes don't work out mm-hmm. carlos correa would work out the only thing is pe- people would say free agency doesn't always work out but no they just overpay for guys and it's not my money and there's no cap so i don't care yeah anyway um, that back to the royals wow that's got to be one of the longest uh 
longest stints away from a team before going back, right? Mm-hmm. It's been gone for like 12 years. Jesus, has it been that long? He's been all over the place. That's cool, though. Future Hall of Famer. Oh, yeah. Probably the last, unless I'm forgetting something, last Royal in the past 50 years to win a major award. Last last, last Royal after George Brett to win one of the big awards. Mm-hmm. I'm probably forgetting about a rookie of the year or something at some point. But anyway, back to hockey real quick. I'll get mad about baseball in, in two weeks when it's clear the Yankees are actually going forward with some guy I never heard of at shortstop. And <laughs> oh man, whatever. Aaron, they think Aaron Hicks is actually going to play center field all year. That's cute. Um, anyway, like there hasn't been that many moves yet. Like I said, we're still almost five days away from the deadline. But like you mentioned, the Manson move, Tyson Jost got traded, and then today, uh, the Panthers traded Frank Vitrano to the Rangers for a fourth round pick. Um, Clearing that space. That's what I was going to say. Cause like the Rangers could use them more than Florida could, but also why would Florida give anyone up? It's got to be cap space. Yeah. He uh, or Florida, I mean, they're probably going to go for one of the top two options in either Giroux or, or Lindholm. You got to think that that's what they're trying to do. You know, Giroux is obviously a no brainer for any contender. I, we know the Avs have been circling around there as a possibility. A few other teams have been mentioned, but. Florida has been connected with him. And then same thing with Lindholm adding to the left side of their blue line. Yeah. it They're scary. Good, man. They are really, really good. I, it would be amazing if they end up winning the cup this year. Yeah, no. Yeah, definitely. After not winning a playoff series, go Sam Ryan. <laughs> That'd be wild. Sam Ryan hey, is look. the only former Buffalo Sabre currently in the, in the NHL that I recognize as a human wow. being, not just recognize, but as just, in general brandon montour i guess is okay too wow william carrier is just in vegas like what did i do sorry bill (laughs) um i was gonna say brandon hagel but he was never a saber nope nope same thing with McNabb. just doesn't no sam reinhardt or bust yeah i guess is comfer still on colorado he wasn't a saber though it doesn't matter he wasn't a saber nope never played a game for us yeah yeah. Wow. Huh. All right. Well, Florida, Colorado. Maybe ROR. Eh, he had his time. Yeah. This is Tage's era now. It's you're right. You're right. Huh. Any uh, other thoughts on the trade deadline, Taylor? No. So I, the reason we started, we did a lot of this today is because I would guess by Sunday, we're going to have a few trades to talk about Sabres or otherwise. But or who knows, maybe it'll just revert back to everything happening uh, in the six hours before the deadline. And maybe we'll just have this episode again on Sunday. Yeah, like some trades will happen somewhere in the NHL. My prediction. Lock it in. That's a a fair prediction. All right. Well, who's your random savers player of the episode? Hmm. Let's go with Brandon Hagel, even though I just said he wasn't a saver. No, I can't do Brandon Hagel. In the spirit, I'll go JT Comfer. Yeah, let's do it. Whatever. Why not? Fake Sabres for the fake Saber theme. All right, everybody. Well, thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Straight Up Sabres presented by the Hockey Podcast Network and the Charging Buffalo. Make sure you're checking out both of the presenters of this podcast on their respective websites. Check out their other podcasts on whatever streaming platform you're using and make sure you're following them on social media. Also, make sure you're following us, Straight Up Sabres, on social media. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And make sure wherever you're listening to this episode, you are subscribed to us or following whatever the terminology is. You know what to do. 
Also, again, as Taylor had mentioned before, make sure you head over to DraftKings and use promo code THPN to take advantage of great deals on whatever it is that you're trying to be betting on. We'll be back with a brand new episode on Monday, diving further into the trade deadline. But in the meantime, have a great rest of your week, a great weekend. This has been Straight Up Sabres.